Welcome to PALS Talks Literacy, a podcast created for Project Adult Literacy Society. In this podcast, we talk about literacy in all of its forms and the impact it has on people's lives. Today, we're talking with one of our tutors, Susanna, who's going to teach us about the importance of health literacy, how reading labels and knowing the food that goes into our body can affect our overall health. Hi, Erin. Thanks for having me on this podcast. It's really a great opportunity for me to tell the audience what I'm passionate about. So I'm going into my fourth year of my Bachelor's of Science in Nutrition, minoring in global health. What does global health mean? Global health, that's a good question. It's looking at the health perspective in a global form, which (laughs) doesn't sound very helpful, but it's kind of analyzing how different cultures different populations, different areas of the world just see health and how we can provide interventions and kind of help them move towards health, better health. All over the world then, right? Mm -hmm. So like just kind of analyzing different cultures, different regions, because not everyone in all over the world is kind of the same. There's so many factors that impact health. Wonderful. So as you know, here at PALS, because you're one of our amazing tutors, is we look at literacy. So health literacy isn't something that people talk about a lot. How would you define health literacy and why do we need to know about it? Yeah, so health literacy, it's it's really broad topic. It has many different kind of factors in it, but it can be simplified to say how a person has the knowledge, the skills, and the motivation, and the capacity to like engage in a behavior that they know will have good health outcomes. And I think whenever people hear health health literacy, I think they can just jump to a conclusion that, oh, it's the super healthy person who does um, walks every day, who eats super healthy, but it's, it's really not. It's kind of just having good mental capacity to think that you're able to change to better health decisions or the ability to learn. So in your degree, you're kind of specific to nutrition-based health literacy. Is that correct? Yes. Because sometimes you could think of health literacy as medicine as well, but you're looking at like the underlying causes of maybe diseases yeah because part of my degree is healthy eating but it's also how healthy eating it impacts your health outcomes so there's so many different foods that if you eat a lot you can increase your chances of xy disease so we're really trying to look at kind of the before period where you can get a disease if that makes sense so you're looking at ways to prevent it. You're trying to find yeah, out what, what was the cause and then prevent it in others. Yeah, prevent, because there's really so much research and evidence going on about how food impacts your physiological outcome. Amazing. Sounds mm-hmm. like a really interesting degree to be in. So, <laughs> yes, for sure. Talking about health literacy and the importance of nutrition, how can we increase our literacy and health? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I feel like there's no 
right answer or it's it's not an overnight process it's a lot of baby steps and kind of taking simpler steps so let's say you don't have the skills to cook like the healthiest meal but what you can do is kind of start small and watch like perhaps healthy cooking youtube videos and even when you grocery shop you can choose for whole foods like produce and kind of sticking away from the boxed foods and kind of like the microwavable foods. And another part of health literacy is you can start reading the food labels and try to understand how the food you eat actually impacts your health outcomes. And we'll get more into food labels later. And another thing is you can avoid bad habits. So Part of health literacy is also knowing when or why you shouldn't be doing kind of like drinking all the time or smoking or drugs, because those, of course, have a really harsh impact on your body. What are some good, healthy habits that people can do daily? Yeah, I'm sure you've heard a lot of these, but getting enough sleep, like sleep really impacts your body and it says adults should get about six to seven hours of sleep per night and water I'm sure it's on everyone's new year's resolution to drink enough water but that's also of course a really big impact and it's really undertaken because a lot of your body functions depend on water and another good habit is moving your body daily so you don't have to go on like an intense exercise every day but you can definitely just have a quick walk around your neighborhood with some friends or bike or something really small to get you active let's talk about the global perspective so health literacy you said using your degree changes depending on where you live in the world. How does your health literacy change when you're living in different parts of the world? Yeah, I think that's something, a really strong connection we see across the globe because a big part of your health outcome is what you eat. And we all know all, all different types of cultures have all different types of foods. So the food you eat and the food you're exposed to and surrounded to really impacts the choices and kind of your regular day-to-day -day diet. And in the world, the actually the healthiest countries uh, who live the longest are known in the blue zone. And if you haven't heard of what the blue zone is, is it's countries kind of across the equator, which have the healthiest diets and tend to live the longest. So they're countries like Greece, Italy, Japan, Costa Rica, and these countries are closest to the equator. And what researchers have seen is that these populations tend to be the most active, like physically, and they tend to participate less in kind of those bad habits we talked about, and they tend to have the healthiest diets. Do they have the healthier diet because they have such like a long growing season? Yeah, I think I think that plays a big factor. Definitely the environmental factors. Like I know in Canada, we have really long winters and we're not able to grow as much produce as we think. That's why we have 
much of our produce imported from different countries. But countries where it's warmer, of course, they have more access to kind of the fresh produce and less of the kind of foods that are like packed in a box and just stick in a microwave and they're ready to go. The other thing that you said was that they're more active. Do you think that is also living in a tropical area is that it's nice outside every day of the year. So here in Edmonton, super cold for six months, you tend to have a lot more people who drive because for those six or seven months of the winter, it's super cold out and they're driving, they're taking the bus, they're not walking. And then they've gotten into that habit for six months so they don't switch and then walk in the summer. Now, some people do, but do you think that also affects the health and the activity level of the citizens? Yeah, for sure. I think there's definitely a psychological aspect to it. I know for sure I can say I'm guilty of this when it's winter and I have to bus to university. I don't like to take the bus. I don't like to walk to my bus stop, which is like a 15 minute walk from my house. I tend to just call Uber and kind of go straight to my campus. But countries who have warmer climates, of course, they want to be outside. It's easier for them and they don't have to really think about, oh, I have this burden of kind of, I need to go somewhere. It's kind of just like, oh, it's nice outside. I'll just take a walk. And I think that definitely plays an aspect of how much physical activity you get. Because here in Edmonton, majority of the physical activity is either within the three months of summer we have, or it's kind of just the indoor gyms, which are in the winters. I agree. Going back to diet, is there anything that you or the researchers have noticed um, people in the Mediterranean countries eat more or eat less of that we don't do being further away from the equator? Okay. Yeah, for sure. I think diet here is totally different than those countries. Here we have the Western diet, which is typically hamburger, fries, ice cream, pizza, that type of stuff. But in those countries, they follow a Mediterranean diet. And this has been proven to be the best diet someone can follow. It briefly, it recommends low red meat because here, in, especially in Alberta, we're known for our beef, which is a red meat and it's correlated to colon cancer. But there they eat more white meat, which is more fish and kind of shrimps and kind of more seafood which has good fatty acids and they eat good fats. So not all fat is bad. So the good ones are like avocados, peanuts, olive oil, and they tend to eat less simple carbs, which is like processed bread that we have here and more of like those complex carbs like quinoa and barley. Um, when you said they eat more white meat, and then you gave fish as an example, do birds count in that as well? Like, is chicken kind of in the middle, maybe, between red meat and fish? Or does it have its own category? No, I think chicken, like poultry, is definitely a better option. It's more, uh, more good in protein, definitely more than beef. And if you do want to eat beef, I know that's such a staple 
people, uh, dietitians really recommend buying the lean meat, which has less of the, the fats. Awesome. So in Canada, we have our food guide and we learn about our food guide in school, um, but it's been a while. Could you maybe remind us a little bit about what's in Canada's food guide and why we should be following it? Yeah, so the Food Guys is a great tool that Canada gave to all its populations. And it's it was released back in early 2000s and they recently revised it in 2019. So it's basically a guide that tells a person how much of each food group they should eat every day. So these are called servings. So the, each food group is called the carbohydrates, which is like your rice, your bread, your bagels, and then you got your meat and alternatives, which are more focused on the proteins. You got your dairy, which is milk, yogurt, and of course you got your produce, your fruits and vegetables. Okay, so with that, um, how can you how could you use the Canada Food Guide to help increase health literacy? Yeah, so the food guide, it's kind of a tool. So it measures one serving of each type of food. And these foods and these servings vary. So like a one, one serving of protein can be two eggs or half a cup of cooked chicken. So the food guide gives what types of foods equaled one serving. And it does this with each food group. So all of those four food groups. So what you can do is look at the food group and at, there's a table that has kind of your age and your gender. And it tells you how many of those servings you should each eat per day. So when they came up with the food guide, who um, contributed to it? Yeah, so there's, of course, the dietitians that really had an impact of how many types of carbs and proteins and dairy, how much each of those should eat a person eat, and it depends on their age and gender. So there's, of course, some more doctors that kind of got into this and they said how much of each type of food group should be eaten per day that can prevent certain illnesses. And especially for children, because children are at a vulnerable age. So they should really make sure they're getting enough dairy for their bones to maintain good bone health. Awesome. So you've mentioned a couple of times that it depends on your age and it depends on your gender. Um, I've never noticed an age and a gender on the Canada Food Guide I've looked at. It's always kind of just, and I think they've changed this and updated it a lot since, but it was sometimes it was a pyramid, sometimes it was a plate and they'd like divide the plate into how much you should have of each. Um, but with it being related to age and to um, age and to gender, what should adults, because we do adult education, what should adults be focusing more on? Do they need more dairy or is that more for when you're growing? Uh, would, would they maybe need more vegetables? Okay, 
I think when you reach adulthood, it's really more about making sure you eat a good balance of everything. That's why it's they recommend for children to make sure they get enough dairy because that's the only time that they can gain good bone health. Because when you reach mid-20s, you actually stop growing your bones. There's nothing you can do. So having dairy is good, but it's not going to be super beneficial as it was when you were in your teens. So in adulthood, I think it's really good to make sure you're getting your produce in because a lot of Canadians, they have more pre-cooked meals and those really don't have the highest amount of fiber that like fruits give and like vegetables. Okay, that's excellent. Um, so we have the Canadian food guide. Do all countries have food guides? Is that a common practice for a country? I think, I think they should. I think it's really important. There's a guide set by each government and it really depends on which country you're in. Like for example, in Asia where rice is a staple, you wouldn't see on their food guide that you should lower your intake of rice because that's really a staple in their diet. So it really varies from each country what they consider a really good food and it really it really varies, it's hard to say. So we're going through food guides, we're going through all of these different things and we're trying to make ourselves as healthy as possible. What is healthy eating? How can we as individuals or as family become healthier in our food choices? Yeah, that's definitely important and it's good to start your action. And I think that it's, it's hard to maintain a habit when you just kind of jump off the deep end. So I think you should really just start taking baby steps and be mindful and balanced in your eating. So you don't have to cut out everything. You don't have to just wake up and be like, I'm gonna cut everything from my diet and only eat salads <laughs> because you should create a balance between incorporating healthy foods and getting active and also giving yourself a treat when you deserve it. And as families, I think it's really hard to manage because everyone has their own likes and dislikes. Like as some as a mother, it's it would be hard for her to cook healthy meals, especially for like younger kids who are kind of picky on what to eat. But I think it's a good start to have a good budget and kind of plan all your meals in the start of the week. And this can really help you cut cost as well because it's it's a lot easier to kind of get puzzled of what to eat and you kind of order take out maybe too many nights in the week and it really builds up so I think having a budget and meal prepping can really take off the tension and kind of help you be more aware of what you're eating. I agree when I first left university I went to a seminar one day on eating healthy and it was like fast but healthy foods and it was I think someone had just come up with a cookbook for it so of course they wanted you to buy the cookbook and we did but the main thing about that whole course was meal plan and yeah. you know what you're going to have and you bought the food for your week and it's got all of these things you don't 
have to think about it when you get home. And it was a game changer for me because I, I was like, oh, maybe I want to eat this, but I wouldn't have all the ingredients. And then you can't make that. So then you're frustrated and you can't figure out what you want. So then I think you do fall into that, either a boxed easy food or takeout or these unhealthier choices because you don't have all the ingredients to make it. So that planning ahead of time, although it takes time, really does help you eat a lot healthier. Yeah, I think it's a really powerful habit you can get into because in the long term, it really cuts down your cost and it just, it gives you an idea. So you don't have to think about it. Like you don't come home from a nine to five and you're like, oh, what am I going to eat today? And it's kind of simpler to just um, get all your ingredients ready and like you're good to go. Exactly. So when we look at the foods that we eat, how do we know what is healthy? So you're trying to decide what you're going to have for the week. And you're thinking of things like my father is um, diabetic, but he's also on dialysis. So we really have to watch things like sodium and fats and uh, sugars. So how do we do that? Especially if you're coming from a non-science perspective, it's hard to kind of understand the food label. So if we're looking at sodium, sodium intake is actually a very big problem in Canada. So Canada set the guidelines for a daily intake of 2,300 milligrams. So this is called the upper intake level. And it's kind of like, hey, so if you're a Canadian, you should have, you should only eat 2,300 milligrams of sodium. But it's been evidence that many Canadians actually pass this level. So they pass the normal intake and they pass the maximum level. And this can lead to problems in their blood pressure and lots of other things. So for sodium, you should really look in the back label if it's under if it's under 15%, because under 15% means it's little, but if it has anything over 35%, it is very high and you should put it back on the, the shelf. So you kind of have a good number there, right? So anything under 15 is good and over 35 is too much. Yeah, it's definitely too much. And in the food label, it actually says on the very bottom, kind of this little guy this cheat sheet it's like under 15 is okay over 35 is too much but it's such a small print I think many Canadian consumers don't even look at this I think a lot of people in Canada look at the food guide when they're in school and they're learning these things um, and then I know for a fact that they come home from school and they say mom this is what we're <laughs> supposed to be eating and I know that because my twins both were in that class this year with the Canada Food Guide and they came home and they had a lot to tell me about every meal we have eaten since. Um, good and bad things, but like they're very, and they're very into it. But then once you kind of hit a certain age, it's not taught in school and not everyone has a food guide on their fridge. And so you, you kind of forget. Yeah, you I think do. That's another Definitely. habit. Yeah. And like they come out with these techniques, like the 
food labeling what I just said under 15 is good over 35 is bad but it's such a small print and it's in the back of the label I think as a consumer you kind of just see the front package and you're like oh okay this looks good you kind of don't even look at the back let alone the small fine print one of the things you've said in here um talks about sodium being a serious problem because it relates to blood pressure and I actually was told to eat more sodium which I thought was so bizarre. But when I was pregnant, my blood pressure was really dangerously low. And so they told me to go walk around and eat chips. That was my doctor's recommendation. <laughs> and I thought that that was such a terrible thing, thinking mostly of habits, right? Because mm -hmm. as soon as you get used to that, it becomes a habit and then you're gonna eat, wanna eat chips all the time. And that's not helpful. So is that something that people would ever, like, have you ever heard of that before? I think, I think it's as a doctor to give that tip, it's kind of funny, but I think maybe he was just, because uh, I, you said that you were pregnant, so maybe he didn't want to give you more medications. That could be a problem. He just wanted something like, like a home remedy, if that makes sense. He just wanted to give you advice that can be really easy to, apply and since it's like your blood pressure and you're pregnant so like blood pressure is kind of like making sure your heart can pump enough blood to kind of reach all your body and if you're pregnant I think that's really important that your fetus gets enough blood so I think maybe that's why he recommended that but as majority of the Canadians it's kind of too high of an intake yeah mostly I hear people just from doctors, stop mm -hmm. salt. Too much salt. Mm -hmm. Blood pressure is actually one of the most common condition. Uh, so what about fats? What are saturated fats? Like I remember learning about this in school and then being like something about bonds or something like that. <laughs> What's the difference between there's unsaturated fats and saturated fats? Is that correct? Yeah, the saturated fats are kind of the bad fats. They, they have, they're more solid at room temperature. So these are like your butter, your margarines, and these can block up your arteries because they're, they're solid. And Canada guideline recommends less than 10% of this every day. And unsaturated fats are the good fats. These are the fats that you want in your body. These are like olive oil and kind of- The avocado more, and the peanuts that mm -hmm. like you said earlier. Yes, these are the ones that are better for you. It's better for your heart actually. And Canada guideline recommends more intake of unsaturated fats than saturated fats. Mm -hmm. Try to cook with like olive oil instead of like butter. Like, you know, kind of making that switch can really impact your, your day every day every day sugar i feel like there's like tricks when it comes to sugar because on labels it could say no sugar added but that doesn't mean that there's no sugar yeah so product, there's, definitely, right? there's definitely sugar in the food but it also depends on what product you have but you should really look at the back as well because it would say no sugar added but then it could also say naturally sweetened so that's kind of like um 
it's not the best to have a lot of even naturally sweetened. And similar with saturated fats, the Canada guideline recommends 10% of this every day. So approximately 50 grams or 12 teaspoons. When we're looking and starting to read our labels more and starting to go through and try to find healthier foods, what are some of the things that we should be looking for? A lot of the concerns in like the food labels is the sodium, as I mentioned, and also iron, actually. I, majority of the Canadians have an iron deficiency and it's not really bad, but it is something that the health officials actually are monitoring. So you should really try to have foods that have higher iron, like um, picking like the barley cereals instead of like the sugary cereals and having granola and pomegranates. So because iron plays such an important role in your blood health and blood goes everywhere in your body. So it's really important to make sure you're getting enough iron. Okay, iron's also in a lot of red meats, but having these other, like the cereals and the granola is a healthier way to get iron into your body than a, a lot of red meat, correct? I'm glad you brought this up because heme iron is different than non-heme iron. So in red meat, it's heme iron, which is actually less absorbable in your body than non-heme iron. So non-heme iron are in foods like green, grains and beans and vegetables and fruits and nuts. And this is more absorbable in your body. Oh, perfect. Mm -hmm. So does the heme mean blood in that case? No, heme is actually, so we're getting into like biochemistry, but it's kind of like uh, an organic molecule in iron that that is what gives your blood that that red red um, mm -hmm. heme is heme is red interesting when we go back to talking about our fats and the healthy fats so the non-saturated fats are our healthy fats and our saturated fats are unhealthy fats when we're looking at labels which one do we like what foods could we look at or could you give examples of the saturated fats are really used a lot in bakery items. So foods like cookies, pies, those types of food that have a lot of probably butter used in them, which is why. And as I said, butter and kind of margarine, it's kind of those saturated fats that are not good. And also foods like frozen, frozen pizza, frozen fries, because those probably have a lot of bad oils in them and when you fry it um, probably in oil it probably gets more unhealthy so you should really try to limit those foods and I always say that you should if you're really a sweet tooth you should pick up bakery as a hobby because if you learn how to bake like a cake or like cookies at home it's a lot healthier and you can really substitute those unhealthy ingredients for like healthier ingredients. Yeah, you can switch out sugars yeah. that you can switch out with for applesauce and they're like, it's such a good, it's healthy, but it also tastes really, really good. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean by having good health literacy because you also have the knowledge and kind of 
the motivation to change your actions. Like, of course, it's easier to buy the pre-made cookies or the pre-made muffins. But if you have health, if you're aware of your health literacy, know the skills to change the recipe and pick for like a healthier alternative. Great. So fruits and vegetables are a large part of the Canada Food Guide, and they are really, really important for all types of growth and functioning in your body because they've got lots of great minerals and proteins and vitamins and all that stuff, but they're also really expensive. So how can you maintain a healthy diet without breaking the bank? Yeah, I think that's definitely an issue in the financial aspect, especially with inflation and food prices going up like crazy right now, because as a regular person, it's definitely easier to pick the $10 McDonald's meal rather than going shop grocery shopping for like a full-on budget for your meal prep. And it really comes down to having like a good budget that you can stick to because in the longer term, it'll actually save you more money than buying foods that are like short term and they fill you up for a little bit, but then you got to go back and like buy more or you kind of have to order in and it kind of builds up. So one of my favorite tips is using this app flip. It has a blue logo and you can actually search whatever food item you're looking for and it'll show you any stores in your area that has it on sale. So even like buying things on sale and kind of um, stocking up can help you in the long term. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. So this is an app that you can use here in Edmonton mm -hmm. and probably other places too, but, and you can just look up any is it specific to the food item that you're wanting? Yeah, so it has options because it has flyers from different types of stores like Walmart, Freshco, um, other grocery shops like Superstore. And it, and it gives all those flyers in your phone. So you can search through whatever item you're looking for and it will show it on sale. And another good trick is, let's say you're shopping at Freshco and it has Freshco. I'm not sure if Walmart still does it, but Freshco does this thing called price match. So if you see on a flyer that, um, let's say Walmart or Superstore has lettuce for cheaper than Freshco, then Freshco will price match that to what you see in the ad. Wow. So where do you do most of your shopping? I actually do it at Freshco because they do the price match. So if anywhere you see that, oh, this store has it less, you just go up to the till and you're like, hey, I saw this um, item is on a lower price than here. And they're like, okay, we'll just price match it for you. That's amazing. Yeah, so I'm not sure if Walmart does it. Um, they used to, but I'm not sure if they still do. So this Flip app um, is written down as F-L-I with two Ps, just in case anyone listening wants to look it up. And yeah, it does have a blue logo and amazing. It's got everything on there that you could possibly yeah. need. 
it's really good for budgeting and you can you don't have to go into the store to kind of budget you kind of just look at all the prices online and you budget accordingly that's awesome okay so i think we've definitely found a bunch of tips and tricks to increase our health literacy know what we're eating know what we're putting in our body and actually make better choices to do that so i really appreciate your time so much today Susanna. it's been amazing i've learned a lot and i'm excited to put some of your tips into action yes for sure thank you for having me This podcast was recorded on Treaty 6 territory. We respect the First Nations, Métis, Inuit, and all the First Peoples of Canada, whose presence continues to enrich our community.